Welcome to the Doing Hard Things podcast. We've all heard that we can do hard things, but what about when it coincides with a cooperative and philanthropic spirit? That's where we find purpose-driven business at the crossroads of hard things and heart things. I'm your host, Amanda Mazzo. I'm an artist and business owner and have been my own boss for more than 15 years. I'm also a purpose mentor to collegiate juniors and seniors and am so inspired by conversations around who people are becoming versus what they're achieving. My guest today is Katie Radel. Katie is the founder and CEO of Ripple Consulting Group, a strategic communications firm in Nashville, Tennessee. She helps individuals and organizations tell their stories and believes that stories and relationships can cause long-term positive ripple effects. Katie is a Nashville Business Journal 40 Under 40 honoree, a National Emerging Leaders Award finalist, and an Athena Young Professional Award nominee. She's a people connector and fiercely committed to giving back to the community and supporting women in their career journey. We're so glad you're here. Now let's get to the heart of it. Katie Radel, welcome to Doing Hard Things. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I am so excited to see you. It's been probably since November since we've been in the same room. So this is a total treat. Well, and I'm just, I just want to say congratulations for doing this podcast. Thanks. Doing the thing. It's so exciting. Doing a heart thing. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we talked about this a little bit before just about intuition and like listening to, you know, following those breadcrumbs and paying attention to what your heart tells you. And so that's how doing heart things was born. So it has, um, been so fun for me to put something out there and then have people in your life that you really love and admire and have their buy-in. And when I asked you and your email came back and you said, this is a hell yes for me. Mm -hmm. And that was just, you, it meant more to me than, you know, and actually it was one of two Tasha who you just met. She was the other one. You guys said the exact same thing. And I thought, okay, this is right. Yes. If people see what I'm trying to to do here, trying to encourage people to also see, to, you know, pursue their own path. Here we are. We're here for a reason. And it's so cool. Those beautiful little reminders that you get along the way of like, yes, yes, you are doing the right thing and you're going on the right path and you're, you're following what you're supposed to follow. So one of the things thinking about our businesses and just, um, how we first met and kind of sharing both of our stories, how we both share that love of storytelling. That's a good place that I, I would like to start because we both built our businesses around it. I'd love for you to give us some background on how you came to the ultimate yes, the ultimate hell yes, maybe for founding Ripple Consulting. Well, it starts with a career for 20 plus years in marketing and PR and event planning. So it's all, you know, all kind of related. And I've had roles in very large corporations, Fortune 500 corporations. My first job out of college, it's so funny looking back now with my personality and who I am, but my first job out of college was I was in the events department at a very conservative, very institutional life insurance company in oh, Cincinnati, wow. Ohio. And I mean, I was, I was 23 and every day it was, it was expected that you wear pantyhose and closed toed shoes and a suit. And it, it was, it was so far from who I am now today, but, but I would say it, it taught me so much. It, it's such a, 
such a young age, so early in my career, I've really just had to interact with executives mm-hmm. and and how to be in the corporate world and that executive presence. And it's, it's so funny because, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of that work now present day with my company. So I've been kind of in and out of these very corporate jobs that I've learned so much from. And, you know, I'm so grateful for my last corporate job was helping a startup bank launch. Oh, wow. So kind of full circle a little yes. bit, like from being in those, I mean, I know you said life insurance, but mm-hmm. very similar atmospheres. <laughs> yes. Yes. And before that I was with a very large healthcare system oh, wow. doing marketing and PR for a hospital actually. So, you know, I've, I've had all these corporate jobs and in between those corporate jobs, um, I've been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so in 2010, I moved to Nashville in 2008. I was with a very large bank at the time uh, during the financial crisis, which we all know what happened there. It was really hard to be in in the in, on the marketing team in a bank at the time. And a few months into that role, um, the president's office called me. I mean, I, I I saw it kind of on caller ID. Oh. I was sitting at my little cube and caller ID came up and it was the president's name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what, what have I done? What, what has happened? It kind of makes your stomach drop a little bit. Yes. And I pick up the phone and they say, you know, uh, Mr. So-and-so would love for you to, to come to the office and have a meeting. And I'm like, uh, okay. Right now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like what? Um, so I have the meeting and basically it was explained to me that, you know, your marketing team, as you know, it is going to be no longer. However, we would love for you to stay on and be my executive assistant and also do the events for the company and some marketing and advertising here and there. And to be honest, at the time, I didn't have any other opportunities. So I'm like, well, I can do anything for a year. So I'll try this out. And again, that was in 2008. And it was such a great experience because I was able to learn really how to do business in Nashville. Oh, wow. Yeah. And how to network and how to really become involved in the community and how important that was. Mm -hmm. I was surrounded by these board members. It was, it was such an amazing opportunity. And a a few years into that, I'm like, "Mm, I don't think I'm going to go anywhere anytime soon. Um, on the marketing path in a bank at the time. So I decided to leave and not knowing a thing, which was probably a a great thing at the time. I started my first business in 2010, which is a corporate event planning business. Wow. I started it with a laptop and a cute little logo and I did really well for a few years. And that was kind of my first stint at being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And that taught me that I could that I could do it. And it was, it was just a great opportunity. And, and eventually I was hired by this hospital who was a client of mine. So I left my baby, my, my little business, um, and, and went to work for the corporate world again. It was a really good decision because I was able to learn healthcare and really fine tune my craft at public relations and grassroots outreach and marketing and all of that. Yeah. How did, how did you end up founding Ripple? When I was, um, working in healthcare, I got married and a lot of life happened for me, which was such a blessing. And I had a baby. I had my little boy and I went back to work from maternity leave and I was looking around and feeling like this didn't fit anymore. It just wasn't working. Um, My version of success and achievement 
had completely changed within those few months of me being gone on maternity leave. Before, um, you know, I've always been someone who is very driven and determined, mm-hmm. um, overachiever. And I would go to work every day and it was kind of just hardwired in me that I would check all those boxes and then some. Yeah. And it didn't matter, you know, what I was doing to myself, burning myself out. Um, I would get to that next level and, and eventually I would, but at a, at a really high cost. Mm -hmm. So when I went back to the corporate world, um, I was looking around and I'm like, this doesn't feel good. I don't feel good in this role. I don't love the person that I'm showing up as and how this kind of environment is, is making me act. Mm. I, I was just kind of done with it. I was kind of done with checking all those boxes and just overachieving and kind of being on that hamster wheel. And I just kind of had this realization that, um, you know, I was, I was getting kind of close to turning 40. I'm like, well, what are you going to do now? (laughs) (laughs) What's next? (laughs) What are you going to do? I had, you know, I, when I was, um, at the healthcare system, I was able to go to school and get, uh, my MBA, which was such a great opportunity. But, you know, I found myself almost 40, just, you just had a, a son, my son and working in the corporate world on this trajectory. And I'm like, uh Oh, what does it look like Yeah, to start over and reinvent myself? Um, and I think that's where purpose comes in because mm-hmm. for me, it was, I had to, Mm-hmm. I had no other choice. It was like my, my intuition was speaking to me so loudly and, and it got so annoying <laughs> and, and just so loud after a while that there was no way that I was going to stay there and, and just not listen to, to what I was being called to do. Yeah. I think, uh, I'm hearing that a lot, actually, like different stories. It's like some, some kind of adverse event happens to put you somewhere or something is no longer serving you or no longer working the way that it did. I think it's really interesting that for you, it happened around 40 because that feels like a very, a strong, like milestone shift. You know, I, I want you to speak a little bit to the name specifically of ripple, because I know that there's a couple of stories behind that. Sure. So after I, you know, left the corporate world, I was, just drawn to being an entrepreneur. I did mm. it before. And I'm like, you know, if you did it before, you can do it again. That's right. And you're not getting any younger. So now <laughs> is the time. So I just, I didn't put, I, I did put thought into it, but looking back, I, I didn't put too much thought into it. I just decided, I just decided. Um, and I left and, and I was thinking, you know, what, what am I going to do? Who am I going to be? What is this version of me going to be? And that was kind of an easy one because I had done marketing and PR for so long, but you know, when I was thinking about a name and what would be clever and and have meaning, that was really important to me. Um, I thought of the ripple effects that we make every day, whether they're positive or negative. And I believe strongly that communication is also connection Mm -hmm. and connection community and how, you know, when, when we connect and create this community together, we are creating long lasting positive ripple effects that can be felt for, for such a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and sometimes the ripple effects, they don't end, which is amazing to me. And I've, I've always loved that thought. So 
that that is one reason why I named my company Ripple Consulting Group. Another reason is um, our little boy when he was when he was really little, my husband would pick him up from daycare every day in the car, and he would cry um, in the back seat. And one day, uh, for some reason, uh, my husband turned on the Grateful Dead, and the song Ripple comes on, and out of nowhere, our son stops crying when Ripple is playing. And so from there, you know, every day he would turn on Ripple and that would do the job. <laughs> so my company, it has, you know, it, it has a lot of meaning to me because mm-hmm. Ripple, the song by the Grateful Dead, um, is still a family favorite. We listen to the Grateful Dead all the time. I was never a deadhead, but yeah. here I am. I love, yeah. I love the Grateful Dead now. Um, thanks to my husband and just the idea of, of creating this positive ripple effects. Mm, yeah. I love that. I, I have to admit, I was not familiar with that song. So in preparation of this, when I knew you were coming on, I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this. And I'm also a bit of a nerd. Like I want to read the lyrics. I want to, and anyway, this verse from the grateful dead's ripple jumped out at me. The verse goes, there is a road, no simple highway between the dawn and the dark of night. And if you go, no one may follow that path is for your steps alone. And that just felt really true to me in the context of purpose and the individual journeys that we have to take on our own to get closer to that. I'm curious, what does a purpose journey look like to you? Um, and how does that translate to your business? Oh, a purpose journey is definitely what you just said, a journey. Um, it is zigzagging all the time. Um, but I believe that purpose is also a feeling. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when, when I was, you know, making the decision to start my business and, and do something completely different and pivot, um, in midlife, for me, it was more of a feeling Mm. of what do you, how do you want to feel every day when you wake up? How do you want to feel? How do you want to design your life? Who do you want to surround yourself with? Mm-hmm. Um, what environment do you want to be in? What kind of flexibility do you want to have? What, what does your time look like? And how are you using your gifts? And what does that feel like at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And if you can get to that point where you're feeling, not just saying, but feeling it and living it, mm-hmm. then you're on your journey to purpose. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, in some of these conversations that I'm having, uh, one of my friends said, if you're not living in it, there's a big clue that feels like you're going to feel kind of lost. Like you're kind of stumbling around. You may feel a lot of, um, I don't know that I want to say opposition, but sometimes it feels like you're kind of coming up against a wall because it just, and, and, and not that purpose should be easy, but I do think when you get into that or closer to that, it's kind of like things start firing on all cylinders. You're like, oh, this feels really right. Mm-hmm. My heart is coming alive. Like there's something here. And so, um, and we talked about this a little bit before too, but this is what I mean when I say following the breadcrumbs, if you can just tune in a little bit more to that feeling Mm -hmm. of there's something here. I don't know what that is. Or even just looking back in your past experience and go, what are the, what's the common denominator here? Like, where was that point where I felt, I felt that I may not be feeling it now, but where, where did I feel it last? And then what does it have in common with where I'm feeling it now? 
And then maybe there's a line that can be drawn between the two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a sharp left here a sure. little bit. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. I tend to harp on um, the anti-hustle culture that we see on, uh, well, we don't see the anti-hustle co- culture a lot. We see the hustle culture a lot on social media. Um, but I do pay attention when people join me in saying things outside the normal work-life messaging. One of the things that you posted recently on LinkedIn was a graphic that said, you quit? Congratulations. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that? Because I love that. Like why leaving what doesn't serve you may be a huge step to getting to where you actually do want to be where you need to be. You have to decide. You have to resign. Whether that's actually resigning from a job or a relationship, you have to just decide. And I think that is absolutely the hardest part. Because it takes courage. Um, And that's worth celebrating the courage, the bravery. Absolutely. Um, And, and when I, when I did post that on social media, there had been a pattern with, you know, having meeting people for coffee or lunch and connecting. And this pattern was unbelievable. How many people were saying to me, I just couldn't do anymore. Wow. So I quit without a plan or, maybe some people had a better plan, more structured, or they were going to start a business or, you know, they along the way were interviewing or whatever that was, but they just couldn't, they just couldn't do anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that is brave. Totally brave. I think that's right. Um, because how, you know, the worst thing in the world is when you know better, and, and you're going against, and, and you're going against your best instincts and your best knowledge and your knowing, if you will, mm-hmm. because you're afraid. Mm-hmm. And I just admire anyone who can get to that point and say, you know what? I'm done. Now it might take a year or two to kind of clean up the pieces <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. But at least you, you've, you've resigned, you've done the thing you've, you've made up your mind and there's no turning back from that point. Mm -hmm. So I admire that so greatly in people, especially when they're like, you know what? I I've, I've done this for two years and I just, I can't do it anymore. Um, they're not going to waste any more time in the future being unhappy or not doing the next big thing. Um, life is short. Gosh, life is short. And I know we're going to get to that. Um, but it's just, so brave and so bold, but it's also so right. And, and it's just honoring mm-hmm. the, those feelings of intuition and, and something's not right. And I need to change something yeah. and doing it scared and doing it anyway, yeah. um, regardless of finances or life situations. Um, it, you know, it, there's so many things that can play, play into, well, I'm going to be stuck for a while because I have to, mm-hmm. and I respect that too, you know, but, but at the same time, it's just getting to that point and doing the thing that is, is so brave to me. Yeah. So I remember the last time that you and I had lunch with one of our mutual friends, um, you shared about an opportunity. I don't think it had even happened. Like maybe you had just put in your intention, like that you wanted to do this. Um, but an opportunity to fly to Maryland to speak at the women in healthcare leadership summit. And by the way, lead hership summit, which I love, uh, for a professional development program that you titled running in heels, finding purpose in pain. I 
really wish we had a whole hour to recreate that talk because I, I would have loved to have been there for that. Um, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about that, maybe sum up some takeaways for our friends listening. Sure. This story is so directly related to the place I was in um, when I was in healthcare and where I was in my life as far as being an overachiever and checking the boxes and, you know, you're only as good as, you know, the last story that you can pitch the media and, and get mm. publicity and you know, all of these things. And so the story goes, <laughs> I was working at a hospital. I was doing marketing and PR for the hospital. And, and one of my big jobs was to always be on the lookout and, and pitch stories to the media, positive stories to the media, <laughs> proactive, right? That's right. <laughs> because there's plenty of, um, you know, negative things that happen sure. in the hospital, of course. So, you know, everyone in the hospital knew that, oh my gosh, if there's a story, please call Katie, you know, let her know so she can, she can figure it out. So one day I was in my office and I got a call from the ER. It was a nurse. And she said, I don't know what you're doing right now, but can you come to the ER? There is this young couple here and they're in their wedding attire. And that's all I knew. And I was like, I will be right there. <laughs> we don't know where we're walking into, but, but I will here be we right are. there. So, you know, I, I walk as fast as I could. I'm probably sure. running to the ER from my office and I get there. And unfortunately they had already left. Oh. So I'm walking back to my office down the hall. And of course I wear high heels every day and I'm click, 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 click clacking. And I turn the corner and another nurse is standing there and she says, oh my gosh, there's this young couple in their wedding attire in the parking lot. And I said, I'm on it. So I look out into the parking lot outside and I see this, this young couple, she's in a wedding gown. He is in his Marine Corps oh my dress uniform. Yeah. They're getting ready to get in their car. <laughs> oh no. I am wearing stiletto high heels, not even a wedge. And I run in my high heels as fast as I could. Things are flying everywhere. <laughs> and I find them, I catch them and I said, hi, 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 my name is Katie. Um, what are y'all doing here? What are you doing? I would love to know more about, you know, what, what's your, what's going on? So they give me permission, um, to tell their story. And basically what happened is they were a very young couple. He was getting ready to deploy mm. and they wanted to get married pretty quickly before his deployment. And the day of their wedding, his grandmother had a heart attack Oh no. She ended up in the ER. She's okay, but she ended up in the ER. And so before they were going to go on their honeymoon and he was going to deploy, they went to the hospital and just, you know, showed grandma their wedding attire and visited with her. Oh, it's so sweet. It was so sweet. And they gave me permission to, you know, tell the story to the media. And I was able to do that and it made national news. It was, it was so cool. It was, it was such a beautiful story and it was, it was an honor to tell it. However, <laughs> there's a big problem with how I, it, you know, looking back, I'm like that, that's a problem, Katie, that you were running in stiletto high heels to get this story. And so I've thought about that story a million times of how I showed up in the corporate world. And that's exactly how I did. I mean, I was running in high heels that were incredibly painful um, to get the next story. Although, you know, it was, 
it was such a cool thing to do. And, yeah. and I love that work. It was just such a, a good lesson mm-hmm. in no one's making you do this. No one is making you run in a parking lot to get a story. Um, maybe we need to rethink Wow, yeah. <laughs> our balance and, and, you know, our, our goals and what success looks like. Um, and so really that speech that I gave was about being in pain mm-hmm. and f- actually feeling it and being reminded of it with, you know, with the high heels and, you know, we, we go to work, we show up, especially as women in these painful situations that are uncomfortable in these high heels. Right. And we do it every day, every day in pain and we know better for like, what literally and metaphorically. Exactly. Yeah. For what? And so, you know, I, I really went, when it, during that time in my life, I really had to examine the why, mm-hmm. why are you doing, what are you doing? Why are you driven so much to win and, and to get the next thing? Yeah. And, and what does that look like? And is that serving you well? And frankly, it really wasn't. Um, and, and what serves me well now is purpose and meaning and being mm-hmm. present. Um, because frankly, you know, I, I was, I was at the point in my career and in my life where things were going so incredibly well with my family. Um, and, and I would come home and I wasn't there. Mm. I wasn't there. You know, I tell the story and it, and it makes me choke up every time, you know, when, when my little boy, he was just a tiny baby and, and I was coming home from work you know, right after maternity leave. And that's when I was like, Ooh, something's really wrong. The most amazing, beautiful smell in the world is a little child's head, right? Like you, you, <laughs> the sweet little downy hair oh. and you smell their head. Yeah. And I would get home and I wouldn't smell his head. And, you know, it, it was, it was on me to, to look around and realize like, you're only going to have this, you know, this time once you're missing it and I'm missing it. Um, I was there, but I wasn't. Yeah. And, and so that just got completely flipped on its head after I had him and, and I reprioritized my life and what success meant. And it means something completely different now. And I'm so glad that I was able to, to go through that really. Yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, just talking about the purpose journey and talking about non-linear journeys and how everybody's is different. And also thinking about how things change like that, how your life changes, your circumstances change. And just with diff- with age comes, you know, new wisdom and, and um, experiences to build on. And I think that's just so interesting to see the flow of life. As we heard in the intro, you are fiercely committed to giving back to the community and supporting women in their career journey. As your friend, I believe it because I've seen it. You are so generous with your time. Um, and I'm just curious if there was somebody, maybe there was more than one person, but if there was somebody in there in your life early on that did that for you. There have been so many different people um, just really throughout my life and career. Mm-hmm. But what really stands out to me is when I, when I moved to Nashville from, from Ohio back in 2008, like I said, I was working for this very large bank in the middle of the financial crisis. And I, you know, I had moved here without knowing anyone, not having a community, no friends, Mm. um, you know, kind of from my, my hometown bubble, if you will, where I grew up forever and moved here, just really starting fresh, starting over. And during my time at the bank, 
I remember watching some of these female bankers, especially kind of from afar and noticing that they were really involved in these organizations that I didn't know anything about. I'm like, what are they going to? Oh, they're going to lunch. Oh, they serve on what, what is serving on a board? Huh? And so it, it kind of dawned on me that there was this world out there that, that is community and giving back. Mm-hmm. And, oh my gosh, I was introduced to so many nonprofits working at the bank because, you know, we, we gave back so much mm-hmm. and I really was able to learn, um, how rich Nashville is with opportunity so to give rich. back. It's yes. unbelievable. And so being in that environment, um, and working in a corporation that was, you know, sponsored everything in town, it was so cool to really be exposed to that world. And frankly, I hadn't been before. I was never taught that it was important to, you know, serve on a board and serve of your time. Sounded nice, but, but I never really saw it in action. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the banking world, I looked around me and saw all these female bankers, especially really involved in the community. They were serving on boards. They were volunteering. They had all of these wonderful networks of friends too. And I'm like, well, I need that. And so during my time there, I learned how to get involved, Mm -hmm. how to give back, how to serve on committees, um, why it was important to give of your time and talents Mm -hmm. and what that looked like. I learned it, you know, in my early, um, in my early twenties, but you know, I, I'd never had that lesson before. And so it was, it was modeled to me very well. And that has always stayed with me. I've always, you know, tried to give back of my time and talents, no matter where I land, even if it's hard and busy, even in the (laughs) corporate world. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I started my business ripple consulting group, my purpose for my business obviously was to use my skills and talents Mm -hmm. and, and create a business and, and do well that way, but also to always, no matter what, have time to carve out for giving back. And for me, that has always been being a part of at least one board right now. I'm part of three, which is, which is great, which is great. Um, but it's, again, it's, it's part of my business. It's part of my model. It's part of who I am as a human being. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question about anyone who has done that for me before so many women, especially women who have modeled that behavior, it will, it will always stay with me. Yeah. I've, only lived in Nashville in my adult life, going to school here and then establishing my career here. I don't know, but I feel like it might be so unique to Nashville that we have this giving spirit. Um, and anybody that comes here, I immediately am like, especially if they're a young professional, I'm like, go to ypnashville.org because all of these nonprofits, um, they're nonprofit partners. They're listed on the website, but they all have YP groups. They all have young professional groups. And so Nashville just makes it very easy to get plugged in, even if it's super niche, (laughs) like super niche. And so if it's something that you're really interested in, they make it very easy just to get involved and there's parties. So it's social and you meet people, but you're also doing great things for the community. And I just, yeah, I think it's, um, it feels really unique. It does. And, you know, not long ago I was asked, I was, I was in a, a, a group meeting and there was a question going around the room of, you know, why do you love living in Tennessee? And my first, the first thing that came to my mind was, well, we're the volunteer state. 
Oh yeah, I, we are. I, just, yeah, I didn't even we, think about that, but that is very true. We show up. <laughs> yeah, we actually do. I mm-hmm. mean, it was it was proven by you know the floods and yeah. the tornadoes and yeah. COVID, and it, it, it just it is unbelievable how much people show up here. And mm-hmm. I'd never quite experienced that before. Mm-hmm. And, and not just not just for nonprofits. I think um, in our experience just having a business Mm -hmm. like people, especially if you're new to town or especially if you're newly launched, Mm -hmm. if your business is newly launched, like people are very generous. I mean, you included like very generous with time to go to coffee, answer questions, you know, give a recommendation for the best Mexican food. Like (laughs) I, I don't, whatever it is, people are just there and they're willing. So speaking of your commitment to your community, you're a board member for Nashville Women in Healthcare and Larkspur Con- Conservation, an advisory board member for Saddle Up, an advisor for the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, and a member of the Nashville Chamber's South Leadership Team. We talked about a little bit about community involvement and why it's important to you because you saw it modeled. I'd love to specifically hone in on um, Larkspur Conservation and Saddle Up since I know that you have personal connections to those two organizations. Absolutely. Well, I will start with Larkspur. Something we didn't cover is that I, my family in Ohio, um, they are in the funeral industry. And so I grew up in a funeral home. My first job um, in high school was at the funeral home. And this is my favorite joke, doing very odd jobs, very odd. (laughs) I was surrounded um, by the fragility of life from a very young age. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know any different. It was just, you know, part of, part of my family, it was third generation funeral home. So when we say life is short, like mm-hmm. it really is short and you've seen it. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and in looking back, what I learned, uh, being surrounded by the fragility of life, mm-hmm. um, has taken me incredibly far and it has helped me live a better life. Death, I say, is a teacher, is the ultimate teacher for me. I've gone to and worked hundreds of funerals. I've driven a hearse. I mean, you name it. Wow. It was, it was a business of saying goodbye to people. And so I never really realized how impactful that was in my life as, as, as a grown up uh, until about, I don't know, maybe about five years ago, really. I started noticing in my life how death or like the loss of a loved one really impacted how I was living and making choices and decisions. A huge reason um, why I did leave the corporate world and, and start my my business is, is because of what I learned mm-hmm. through, you know, losing loved ones. Well, you better live, you know, you better live. I've always really been connected to death and, and very spiritual more so than many other people. And I've always really been able to talk about it. Not to interrupt, but sure. I was just thinking like, that's a number one fear. That is not my number one fear. My number one fear. Well, I was going to say public speaking, but I've kind of just forced myself to get over that. Cause you being a business owner, you kind of have to, but a lot of people, their number one fear is death. Mm-hmm. I love what you said, you know, letting death be a teacher. How would you talk to those people? It is messy, like birth, right? But it is finite and it is part of our life, whether we like it or not. The old kind of saying is a hundred percent of people die. Very true. Right. I mean, it's, (laughs) it is. Yeah. We cannot, we cannot deny that. Mm -hmm. 
I think people fear what they don't know. Yeah. And the truth is, is that there's so much about death we don't know. Maybe we know a little bit, um, but I guess as far as talking to people about death, I, I, I just think it's important to talk, mm-hmm. period, because mm-hmm. it has been such a taboo subject that, you know, people are terrified to talk about because, oh gosh, then it might become reality. You and I talking about this specific organization and even how you found out about it in the mm-hmm. first place is just wild to me. Yes. So one night, it was back in the spring, we had put our son to bed. We were watching Antiques Roadshow. All of a sudden, we're sitting on the couch and this commercial comes on for this documentary. And it piqued my interest because the title of the documentary is Bury Me at Taylor Hollow. So we finished Antiques Roadshow <laughs> and this documentary comes on, Bury Me at Taylor Hollow. And it's, it's about an hour long. My husband and I are sitting on the couch and I will not move because I'm so engrossed with this documentary. And basically the documentary is about how this Larkspur conservation got its start, how they got funding and how, you know, they, they got approved and how they acquired their land. And Larkspur conservation is a natural burial conservation. So not only is it conserving the land protecting our land, but it's also allowing people to be buried hundred percent naturally. Mm. No chemicals, no caskets that are, you know, it, <laughs> made out of metal, um, completely 100% natural mm-hmm. return to the earth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching this documentary and it's just telling this beautiful story and I don't want to ruin it for everyone, but <laughs> they do show a natural burial. And I'd never seen that before. And I was moved so deeply that I'm just a mess, a puddle on the couch. I'm crying. Oh, wow. I moved. I have goosebumps. And my husband is like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not okay in a beautiful way. Yeah. Something is happening here. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't deny it. And he couldn't either because he's like, what's wrong? (laughs) And so I get on Instagram, I look them up and I'm sitting there and I see a post and and it was made maybe about a week earlier. And the post was a call for board members. It just so happens that the deadline to apply to be a board member was that very day that we saw the documentary. Stop it. So here I am crying a puddle on the couch on Instagram at 10 o'clock at night, applying to be a board member pouring my heart out to these people I don't know, saying, I just saw your documentary. How can I help? By the way, I grew up in a funeral home and I have unique experience. You know, I do PR and storytelling and and would love to help out anyway. You know, about a month later, I was contacted and met with them and, and just really loved their leadership and what they were doing. And just, it was just a feeling really, it it just fit. It felt so good. Mm -hmm. And I'm now a board member and I love what they do so much. It's amazing. That is incredible. And tell me again, is this, so Taylor Hollow, Mm -hmm. is that the city name or the place that Taylor Hollow is the burial ground. Okay. Um, It is in Sumner County, Sumner County, Mm -hmm. not too far from here, not too far from here from Nashville. Um, and they, they have other properties as well, but that's, that's where they're focusing right now for the natural burials. And, um, it is such an incredible way, so unique and, and meaningful and beautiful to honor someone's life. I think sometimes, um, you know, we just kind of live, 
because of tradition, because of the way that think people have done things before us. And so we know that that's, that's just what you do and that's how to do it. And we don't even know sometimes that there are alternative ways to do things, mm-hmm. especially really significant ceremonial things. Tell me about Saddle Up. Yes. You had mentioned um, young professional organizations in Nashville and and just how flush we are with those wonderful organizations here. We're so lucky to have them. One of those organizations is Young Leaders Council. Mm-hmm. And young I'm an leaders- alum. Did I have we talked about those? I don't think so. Yeah, they're actually one of our clients as well. I love oh, Kim James. So great. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing organization. I love what they do. Um, I got involved with Young Leaders Council, and and just to back up, Young Leaders Council is a nonprofit organization that helps nonprofit organizations <laughs> place young interns. So it's basically you go through a program with young leaders, and you it's learn good training for how to be how to be a board member, a good board member Mm -hmm. that can read budgets and financials. I I think they're serving such a good need because there are so many nonprofits here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's, you know, a lot of people go through training for that. It's like, oh, you're picked and we we have a certain need if you're a lawyer. (laughs) But or marketing or or exactly or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. But Mm -hmm. this organization teaches how to, how to serve in the right, in the right mm-hmm. way and, and how to be aware and what they're looking for and how to, how to give back. Mm-hmm. So I, I went through that program and part of that program that I love so much is that they match the young leaders council students with a nonprofit and you serve as an intern on a board. Mm-hmm. And when I went through, I'm like, Oh my gosh, how do I even begin to figure out where right. I'm going to serve? You yeah. know, I love the Ronald McDonald house and I love this and animals and all of this. And it was just so overwhelming. I had applied to a a few different organizations that I thought were going to be a good fit, but of course Mm -hmm. they were filled. Mm -hmm. So I heard back from young leaders council and they said, there's this nonprofit in Franklin, Tennessee called saddle up and they do equine therapy for children with disabilities. And again, it's that feeling of like, ding, 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 ding. You're in the right place. Mm -hmm. I perked up and I said, well, that's funny. I grew up riding horses and that was such a huge part of my life. And my mom who passed away, mm-hmm. her and I, that was, that was what we shared together. That was oh, our wow. common bond. And so I'm like, okay, I got it. Yep. Um, let's interview and, and let's explore this. And, and I did, and I fell in love. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of those things I, I pulled up to the nonprofit. It's this gorgeous barn, this beautiful piece of property in, in, in Franklin. You just felt like you were at home. I've been serving ever since. It's been a really long time. So now I'm a little more hands-off. I'm, I'm more of an advisory board member. What I've learned is there are so many nonprofits, mm-hmm. but to really be involved with, with those nonprofits that speak to you. Oh, yes. And you're truly passionate about, and, and there's story and meaning behind it. Yes. It's that much more powerful. It's, yeah, I, I would totally agree. It feels like um, an honor to be mm-hmm. able to be in that position where, I can find something that's interesting to me or that's something that I really believe in like music lessons for kids, because I know that they were important for my, in my childhood. Um, and then be able to help provide those for a whole other generation coming up. Okay. I'm going to take another sharp left. Okay. We have a segment here on doing heart things called pick a card, any card. I love it. So we've got a purple pyramid, a orange arrow, red check, 
green clover, gold star, pink heart, and blue diamond. So Katie, pick a card, any card. Green clover. Ooh, I like it. What's the most effective way you found to handle stress? Walks with my dog. About five days a week. I try to take a morning walk with my dog. Um, she's getting older. Bless her <laughs> so, heart. so we're, you know, we're slowing down a little bit, but that has been my prescription. I think we talk about that a lot on here, just, uh, with, with the various conversations about how important I, I think starting the day just with time to read and write and meditate and pray and just where no one is talking to me mm-hmm. and I can just get a fresh head, but even being out in nature and moving to get energy, if I'm like trying to problem solve or, um, digest maybe a difficult conversation, moving, getting, getting my eyes away from the screen, seeing some pretty things, blue sky flowers. And what I've noticed is when I don't yes. do that for a few days or a week or, you know, so, something goes sideways and, and people I die. It's, <laughs> people it, die. <laughs> it, um, it affects me yeah. physically, mentally. Um, that to me has been my kind of North star of mm-hmm. my prescription. If yeah. I'm feeling weird or anxious or sad, whatever it is, it's like, try that first. Yeah. And it feels a little <laughs> counterintuitive, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't do this because my to-do list looks like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about it, because my to-do list looks like this, I have to do this. Yes. Yeah. It's part of the equation. It's That's part right. of owning a business and being a mom and a wife and a friend and all of those things. It, it all works together. Agreed. Ooh, agreed. <laughs> um, what is the best piece of advice that you've been given and or what advice would you give to someone just starting out in their career? I think the best piece of advice I've ever been given has, uh, was given to me by my longtime mentor, um, who unfortunately just passed away a few months ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I miss him so much. Um, I will never forget some of the lessons he, he taught me. One of the biggest lessons was once you get further down into your life and in your career, opportunities will come to you. And at first, you know, when, when he would say that, he said it over and over and over again to me. And I'm like, oh, but you don't understand, you know, it, it's, it's it, that thought of being on a hamster wheel the whole time and, and having to constantly look for opportunities or achieve or, or do more, or reach out or do all these things, all this activity, all this productivity. I think what he meant was you need to stop. <laughs> you need, you need to take a time out and you need to own who you are and your brilliance and how far you've come, you're not going to have to keep trying all the time. It's going to come natural. It's going to come to you. And when I learned to just chill <laughs> and take a beat and, and, and just kind of calm down a little bit and not constantly look for opportunities and, and be productive on this, on this hamster wheel, that's exactly what happened. Woo. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took me a while to receive that. Mm-hmm. And now I've gotten to a place where I'm, I'm confident in my ability and in my business. Mm-hmm. I found a niche and I'm growing and, and I'm feeling so good and about where I am um, in my life and in my business that that is exactly what has happened. I'm thinking specifically about 
the college kids that I've been mm-hmm. working with, because I do think that's amazing to get to a place. We, I recently have gotten to that place as well. And yes, you can take a, take a beat, take a breath and, um, let things happen a little bit more organically. But when you're 20 something and you're just starting in your career, are there dues to pay? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the truth is there's no getting around that. Mm -hmm. There's also no getting around life experience. Yes. You just can't. Yes. And and I, so it's so funny because just last night I was talking to a recent college grad. Yeah. So you get it. Just last night. And she's like, I feel so lost and all my friends have jobs. And I said, I remember how that felt. Same. And I was, I was trying so hard not to, you know, throw all the advice Mm -hmm. and listen and be present for her. And she said, I know things will work out, but I have to pay my dues. And and my, she's like, my parents told me that right now is the time to hustle and grind it out. There's a season, there's a season for everything. And, and I feel with that comes that life experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and there's no shortcut. Yeah. I wish there was, but you know, looking back in my career and I'm sure in yours too, and you're even in life, it's like, well, I needed to go through that, that period of time or that tough relationship or that tough job or horrible boss. Um, it taught me a thing or two and I'm better for it now. 100%. My first job out of college, uh, I never knew what side of the bed my boss was going to wake up on. Mm-hmm in the morning. And I was there for three and three years and some change. I, I, so many times I wanted to walk out and my parents were like, just stay in there, stay in. Of course they were probably like, okay, you're getting a decent salary. You can live on your own and you have insurance. We would love (laughs) you to stay, which I see now, Mm -hmm. but now, you know, hindsight is always 2020. And I'm looking back and I'm like, I did not know about graphic design. I was a music mm-hmm. major and they purchased me my first Adobe Creative Cloud suite. Actually, it wasn't even Creative Cloud at the time. It's telling you how old I am, but it was, they pur- purchased me my first design software. Mm-hmm. And so I had on this jo- on the job training, which I don't know that I would have had anywhere else. It's interesting to get to a point now where I can look back and go, Okay. That makes sense. And so to your point, like go through the hard things, Mm -hmm. experience it. It's just going to make you richer. Absolutely. And it's, it's so hard to see that. Oh yes. Um, But you know, it's, it's, it's worth the experience and, and just, you know, being set up better for the future. Yes. Um, I also wanted to say, you know, my, my favorite advice kind of goes along with that as well, but it's, it's more geared towards, worthiness. Mm. And this is a really hard lesson. Yes. I had yes. To learn. I'm like, I'm like on the edge of my seat now. Cause I love it. Bring my, it. It's, it's a, it's a quote. I've posted it before. It's you are the CEO of your life. Hire, fire and promote accordingly. To me, that is everything because it's, you are, you are the person who determines your path. You are accountable for that. And you, you have to be self-aware enough and, and have those feelings of worthy, worthiness to be able to act accordingly. And I, I love that. I've tried really hard to live by that, especially the last few years here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's have that be the base. Let's mm-hmm. have that be the foundation. Your job doesn't affect that. Your, I mean, nothing, mm-hmm. no external force affects that. That's intact 
We're all inherently worthy. Let's start from there. Mm-hmm. So no matter what else happens, doesn't matter because you're still worthy. Absolutely. That's that's unshakable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Well, I think intuition is such a strong theme. And you mentioned it earlier that, you know, that has been so prevalent throughout all these interviews. I'd like to turn it to you and ask you, you know, obviously you've, you've answered a call doing this podcast. I'd love for you to tell your listeners, (laughs) um, your story about following intuition. Yeah. When 2020 happened, I was very fortunate where we still had work. It just looked very differently. And I did not realize how much of my identity was tied to that until it shifted. And I had these moments of like, what's left? What am I? Who am I if I am not performing? If people can't see what I'm doing or how I'm serving or um, my output, if that doesn't exist, what am I? And that's where I'm coming at. We're like, okay, <laughs> we're serving, we're, we're coming at the, from this base now where like the worth was still there. I just had, had misplaced what that looked like at right after I kind of started digging in, doing the work. Uh, I was in the Brene Brown dare to lead cohort. I read all the books. Um, I started doing a lot of workbooks and, and exercises in counseling, um, and kind of, got to a more healthier place with all of that. And then Belmont, my alma mater came alongside me and said, Hey, we would really love for you to serve as a purpose mentor to these college students. And we're going to have conversations around who the students are becoming versus what they're achieving. And I was like, Oh, sign me up. (laughs) Hell yes. Yes. That is, that is the hell yes for me. Um, I can speak more to that because I've lived it. And, And so going through these conversations, I was able to develop my purpose to encourage others as they develop their own creative gifts to defy comparison and to lean into their authenticity, what makes them different. I often find sometimes it's those differences that are made fun of where people see them as weird. Hmm. There's a book that was really impactful for me. It's by a local author, CJ Cassiata. And I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. I love this book. It's called Get Weird. Oh, and it, that is basically what it is. Um, he says the minute that you choose to use your crooked nose or your offbeat perspective is the second that you'll find a whole lot of other people who now feel permission to be themselves too. A lot of this also has to do with my faith. I believe that I am called to be salt and light and the salt. If you think about salt as a preserving agent, Mm -hmm. but it also enhances flavor. And so I'm looking at these people and I'm like, no, like there's something in you. Let's go. Let's pull that out. Light, of course, also is what it is. Like you're shining a light on something. It's a spotlight, you know, or you're just bringing light into this world where the world can be a really dark place. So I want all these things. I want people to see what a gift they are if they haven't discovered it yet, that's okay. I just want them to go down the journey because there's good stuff down there, even if it gets dark on the way. So hell yeah. (laughs) I love that. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It just, um, it means so much that 
you would have buy-in to this and all my other friends too, just coming on and supporting me for the first season of this. I'm just super pumped to have these conversations. So thank you a million times. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. I have one last question. Mm -hmm. Coming back to purpose. Yes. I mean, we've been talking about it this whole time, but if you could sum it up, what's your why? To be good and kind. Period. I think good and kind is my true north. And and that's how I make all my decisions. Is this good? Is it kind? Okay, sometimes you get off track, but but always, you're human. And so and, that's part of part of the learning, part of the experience. Yep. Yeah. And if you can strive for good and kind, um, good and kind will come back. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Katie. This is seriously such a treat. You're a gift. I'm happy to know you. You are too. You are amazing. If you'd like to hear more, you can connect with Katie Radel, that's R-A-D-E-L on LinkedIn and follow her on Instagram at Ripple Consulting Group. We're also on Instagram at Doing Heart Things and at Mazo Media. Thanks for joining us today. Did this conversation strike a chord with your heart? We'd love for you to share your story with us at mazomedia.com slash heart. Please also share, subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your help getting us into your friends' ears. We'll see you back here with the next episode. Until then, keep doing hard things. Doing Hard Things is brought to you by Mazo Media, an award-winning creative studio in Nashville, Tennessee. We work with people, brands, and organizations to help tell their stories through videography, photography, graphic design, and social content. We believe that everyone has a story worth telling, and it's in those stories that we build bridges to each other. Ready to share yours? Get started at mazomedia.com.